Hey, it's Dr. Whitney. I'm an author, a coach, and a mama to two growing girls. Yep, I do it all. Well, actually, that's not true. I used to do it all. Now, I only really do the things that matter most to me. If that feels too good to be true, it's not. Here's the thing. Before I became a mom, I was totally thrilled with the idea of doing everything and being everything to everyone. I was told that if I just kept swimming, everything would work out fine. But I was dead wrong. Hustle culture, perfectionism, and the endless hamster wheel of work mom life weighed me down. That feeling of never giving enough but having absolutely no more to give brought me to my knees. My first daughter, who was diagnosed with autism this year, was an endless well of needs. My relationship with my husband was full of more resentment than love. Our second daughter felt left in the dust and told me one day she thought I didn't love her. But I couldn't get off the roller coaster of my working mom life. I was heartbroken, but I was also exhausted and hardly ever the joyful present mom or career woman I always thought I'd be. Making time for activities that fed my soul on a regular basis? <laughs> what time for that? And as a result, I wasn't as effective at my job. I didn't show up as my best self at the office. My performance suffered at home and at work. Do you identify with that? To feeling completely overwhelmed and overworked? To drowning in mental clutter and a sea of stress? To wishing you had more to give at the office and at home? That was me burnt out and ready to call it quits until I decided I couldn't juggle that demand, those heavy burdens of life, of motherhood in the workplace without a sustainable system I could use to get off and stay off the hamster wheel. So I created a framework that worked for me, but also for all the other caregivers I connect with in my clinic and online. And now I coach career-focused caregivers to organize their stress and clear their mental clutter so they can live purposeful, aligned lives. I help overwhelmed moms get off the work-life home hamster wheel so they can be the parents, partners, people, and professionals they always dreamed they'd be. Are you ready to live a more joyful, productive, and mentally uncluttered life? To give more without draining yourself? To spend your time, energy, and focus on what matters most to you so you can thrive and everyone around you can too? Then go to modernmommydoc.com and click on coaching so you can be part of the momversation. Welcome to the Modern Mommy Doc Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full time pediatrician and a full time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. Dr. Whitney, welcome back to the Modern Mommy Doc podcast. 
Today I have Madhavi Vimaretti, and I'm so excited to have her on the show. She is coming to us from Clio, and her story is so in alignment with my story, and I can tell that her mission is so in alignment with my mission. So welcome, welcome to the show. So glad to have you here. Thank you so much, Whitney. Pleasure to be here. Looking forward to connecting and sharing our our, our stories together. Yeah. Okay. So tell our listeners about yourself and how you came to be at the place you are now. Yeah, definitely. So I am a physician by training in internal medicine, but I've been in digital health really for the last 20 years. I started my career working at a company that was really focused on how do we drive the best evidence-based care for individuals that have you know, chronic health conditions, and really spent my time there, ultimately became the chief medical officer and head of product, where I was building population health programs that were really focused in supporting those individuals that had chronic health conditions like, you know, diabetes and hypertension, or were, you know, coming out of the hospital to make sure that they were getting the best care possible. About 12 years ago, I had my eldest son had congenital heart disease, and needed open heart surgery at nine months. And at the age of five was diagnosed as being on the autism spectrum. And I think that was the first time where, you know, being an active family caregiver, I was really struggling, even though I, you know, had my medical background, you know, I was still trying to figure out, you know, everything about autism. I was really, I, you know, had the task of putting together a support network to, you know, help him catch up and, you know, realize like if we're struggling and we're physicians, then, you know, what is everyone else doing? And realize that, you know, all the programs that we are, you know, that health plans offer, that even within a care delivery system, you know, they're really focused at those individuals that require care. They're really not helping those families, you know, that are supporting that loved one. And so that was really what led my husband, Jeff Shock and I to start a company called Care Tribe that was focused on supporting family caregivers across all ages, irrespective of condition. And earlier this year, through early conversations we were having with Clio, we realized that what Care Tribe was doing and what Clio was doing was really complementary. And it was bring, by bringing both of our companies together, we could really support families across all stages of life from those that are, you know, starting a family all the way through to those that are taking care of an elder loved one. And so that's how I ended up joining Clio a few months ago as their chief clinical officer. Wow. And you mentioned caregivers who are caring maybe for an elderly person or for their children, but so many of us are actually doing both, right? I mean, there's a lot of research about what we're calling the sandwich generation. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I think today there's over 12 million people in the sandwich generation, but we know that number is going to grow pretty significantly with our aging population. And so we have 
you know, many families that are taking care of children, you know, whether young children, teenage children, at the same time that they're taking care of a parent or a grandparent. And usually they're, they're doing that while also working full time. Right. So it's, you know, I've seen the name of not, it's not just a sandwich. It's like a club sandwich. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's a club sandwich. And it's more women than men that are doing this. Right. In the research. Yes, absolutely. More than 60% of family caregivers today are women. They are carrying majority of the caregiving responsibilities, especially for a parent or grandparent or other sort of elder relative that they're taking care of. And it and 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 what and we're seeing the impact of that, right? We're seeing women basically making the decision to leave the workforce or take a leave of absence because they feel like they can't do it all. And, you know, and they feel like they are they have to do they're isolated and they feel like they have they're doing it by themselves and they don't have the support that they need. And, you know, and it really sets up this vicious cycle because if women feel the need to feel like they're being forced out of the workforce because they have to take care of a loved one, well, then, you know, there's going to be a significant impact to their own retirement savings, right? And so what's going to happen to them when they are now older and need someone to take care of them, you know, they're not going to have that financial sort of foundation to take care of themselves, and, and that's really troubling. That and, I mean, it makes it so that if more and more women drop out of the workplace, it means fewer and fewer girls see women in the workplace. It means we have fewer women at the top, or, top echelons of corporations. And we know we need representation in order for our needs to be met and heard and considered. I'm on the executive leadership board at my pediatrics office, and we're in the middle of some transitions with people going off from their presidency and other people joining on. And and someone said, well, you know, maybe Dr. Caceres wants to be someone who transitions off right now. Well, I'm the only female person who is a caregiver in the group, like a caregiver of a child. That's not true. There is some another woman who is a caregiver of an elderly person, but a parent. I'm the only female parent on the executive leadership board. And we take care of children. And right. they're right that I am really busy. And I did have to say, like, I just want to make sure you're not wanting to kick me off because I'm doing a bad job. If that's the case, tell me. They're like, oh no, no, no. We just know you're so busy. We wanted to give you like a, you know, an out if you want it. I'm like, right. Well, I would love to do less. And also, it matters so much to me that if we are trying to take care of families in this organization, that's all we do as pediatricians, take care of families. We have to have someone who represents the working mom in this group. We cannot make decisions about our hours or about how we communicate with nurses if we don't have somebody who represents. So it is tragic, especially with the pandemic, what happened with so many women. And I think the best companies are hopefully as the pandemic is, is, you know, quote unquote ending, able to see that that remote work or that flexibility or resources like Clio offers are so, so important to keep women and caregivers in general in, in the workforce and thriving. Absolutely. I mean, and what we see from the data is that only 50% of caregivers 
tell their managers that they're caregiving. So mm-hmm. they're hiding because, you know, if, and they're, they're worried about the stigma because if you raise your hand and say, yes, you know, I'm caregiving for a child on the autism spectrum or I'm or caregiving for a parent with Alzheimer's disease, you know, is, is that essentially raising your hand and saying, I'm going to be distracted, right? Yeah. I have a lot going on. And they worry about, you know, the implications of that. And so one of the things that, you know, we do when we're talking to companies is saying it's not only important to, you know, have that culture of care where you're talking about caregiving openly, right? You're, and by bringing in a company like Clio, you're basically saying, listen, we know that the majority of you are taking care of children at home, that you're taking care of a loved one. And that we know that it's important for you to get the support that you need. And that's why we're bringing Clio. It's like, if you have a family, you're going to need Clio, mm-hmm. right? That's all you need to know. It's like, you know, join and get the support that you need. But we also talk about, it's really important to educate the managers, the leadership team, so that you can have these open dialogues with your team and, you know, and so that you're, you're making it easier for individuals to be authentic, mm-hmm. right, and not hide and to come forward and say, yes, you know what, I may need a flexible s- schedule based on where I am right now. And so that's where, you know, we really are trying to promote having that open communication, really allowing individuals to be authentic, you know, at work and creating this inclusive workplace, you know, that's there to support, you know, all employees and the needs that they may have. Mama, it is here and available for download. It's the new Modern Mamas Club app. We are so ready to join you on your personal journey from conflicted to centered, we want to take you on an evidence-based path from feeling conflicted all the time, from feeling pulled in all kinds of directions, from feeling burnt out to feeling really purposeful and aligned as you move through your working motherhood experience, no matter what is happening around you. So go check it out in the App Store. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think about pride, about how important it is just for the awareness and the openness and the transparency of this is a group of people that exists. We're not going to be in the shadows. I think the same goes for caregivers that we have to say, as Mary Beth Ferrante talks about a ton on Work360 is her organization. She talks a lot about this idea of like parenting out loud and being able to be open. Well, how do you parent out loud? First, your manager has to parent out loud. First, the CEO has to parent out loud. Like you're never going to parent out loud if you're hiding on your Zoom the fact that your kid is like below you eating Cheerios. This is not going to happen. <laughs> so I'm sure there was a time when you felt less sure of yourself than you do now There's a quote that you gave me that you said you live by or has especially inspired you in your line of work. And you said, you never know how strong you are until being strong is the only choice you have. That's Bob Marley who said that. 
And oh man, that just hit me like a ton of bricks. It brought me back to my daughter in a super dysregulated state. She has autism. She, we were moving, we moved to my parents' house for a time during the pandemic and then we moved back. And when we moved back, the colors of the walls were different. We'd had them painted white instead of brown and it really threw her off. And she felt like the whole house was different and she was so agitated that one day she threw like a ceramic vase at me, you know? And I remember just repeating in my head again and again and again, like she has autism. It's not her fault. She has autism. She's dysregulated. But the inner strength that I had to pull to feel like I'm not a terrible parent because this is the way that my child is acting to be kind and loving to her versus full of like (laughs) anger. (laughs) You know, I tell me about kind of in your experience as a parent, what's made you feel so fierce about this personally? Yes. You know, and I think it's for me with my journey, it started when I started when I was trying to have a family. So mm-hmm. I, you know, unfortunately had a struggle. I went through multiple IVF cycles. It took, you know, I had multiple miscarriages. I lost twin boys at 21 weeks. It took us basically four years until we were able to have my eldest son. And then my eldest son was born prematurely. And then just his first, I, I felt like from the time he was born, we were in the NICU, then in and out of PICUs, and then we were like fighting to figure out what was wrong with him and to get him the right treatment plan. And then, you know, when you know when we had the open heart surgery at you know nine months, you know, what I remember so vividly is my son was only nine pounds at nine months, mm-hmm. so he had complete failure to thrive and. We were handing him over to, you know, the surgical team in the OR and, you know, the team, you know, basically said, you know, we'll take good care of him. And I remember saying, please do, because like we've been, we fought to bring him to this world. Now we're fighting to save him. And when that surgery went well and it fixed his heart, you know, it was like a sigh of relief. Mm -hmm. And then... And we thought, okay, we're just going to be catching him up. You know, he starts walking at age two. He's, you know, you know, we see like that slow progress. And then it wasn't until age five when we were told that he had autism. And then I, I feel like we got hit again with like, uh, you know, we were in total denial. Mm -hmm. You know, we say can't be autism. He had this complicated medical history, Mm -hmm. you know, it's gotta be because of that. And it's, and you know, he will catch up. So it took us a while to even, you know, figure out what does it even mean? What can we do for him? And now, you know, he's 12 years old. He's such a beautiful, you know, little man, but he's mostly nonverbal. And, you know, every day, you know, we struggle. Is he going to be independent? Mm -hmm. Right? Is he going to be able to talk? you know, and and say, you know, mom, what's for dinner? Is he going, you know, just the simple things in life that you wish you had, you know, I have a, a, my youngest son is eight and neurotypical and all these things that he does that, you know, 
my eldest can't do, mm-hmm. right? And and every day is there's that reminder of, you know, oh, you know, I wish, you know, he could do these things. So for me, I feel like we're still fighting, right? Mm-hmm. We're still fighting to get him the best care possible, find out what other families are doing, because this is the challenge with, with caregiving. It's, you know, my, my pediatrician doesn't have all the answers. No. They have like their sort of, you know, their lens of it. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, we've got to create this scaffolding of, okay, what do we do for speech? How, what are the diff- other communication sort of modalities that we need to explore for him? We recently, you know, we were living in New York City and moved to California just a, about a year before the pandemic. And I have to say, you know, because, you know, my sons were born in New York, we built our scaffolding in New York, but my side of the family was in California. And it was the scariest thing to feel like that we were going to move somewhere completely new and have, and my stress was really about him. Like, mm-hmm. how do I rebuild the scaffolding for him to support him? All the therapists, finding him the best school, right? Finding the right medical care team. And then we got hit with a pandemic where what little scaffolding I built got completely, you know, sort of put on hold. And we, similar to you, we saw these behaviors. He was acting out more. He'd pull my hair or hit. And yeah, as a parent, you struggle. It's like, mm-hmm. what am I supposed to do, right? You know, it's, you know, it's like you have to tell yourself, well, this is not, this is not personal. He's not doing yeah. this because, right, of something I did or he's not happy with me. It's because he's so, you know, dysregulated, like he he can't control, you know, his movements, right, and and his feelings. And, and I think, you know, especially for families that are dealing with these behavioral challenges day in, day out, it can definitely wear on you, cause burnout, you know, anxiety, depression, you know, I mean, and we see this also, I mean, the CDC said, you know, 70% of family caregivers are experiencing mental health symptoms, right? And, you know, I was one of them, definitely during the pandemic. And so some, and so this quote just speaks to me because when I feel like, how am I going to get through this, right? You know, at every stage, I was thinking, how am I going to get through this if I, you know, if, if we don't have kids? How am I going to get through this if I, if my child doesn't survive? Like, you know, mm. but there is that inner strength that I think all families have, and especially caregivers, that, you know, they will do whatever it takes right? To support a loved one, right? And to make sure that their loved one is getting the right care. And, you know, sometimes it's a lot harder, especially when you don't have the right support in place, or you don't have people that you can trust and ask, right? It's way more difficult to figure things out on your own than it is to have a trusted resource, whether it's experts that, you know, have expertise in in your loved one's condition, or, you know, it's having the right set of benefits or being able to go to your HR team and say, hey, this is what I'm going through. This is the type of help that I need. 
And there's no harm in asking, right? And I think what we've seen is, especially talking to a lot of people leaders, is that when they start hearing from more and more of their employees, like, hey, I need help with, you know, taking mm-hmm. care of my parent who lives in a comp- in a different state, they start thinking about, okay, how can I support them, right? What, what tools do we need in our toolkit to support them? And so, and I think that's, you know, that communication is obviously really important. So one thing that you said struck me, which is about how you'll go kind of to the end, people will go to the ends of the earth to make sure that their loved one is okay. And I think that's so true. And that what happens when they're not getting the support they need to be able to take care of themselves in the midst of all that is that's so much where the burnout comes. You know, I, I've for sure been there like, well, my older daughter has this autism. She's throwing a vase. My younger daughter feels like she's left in the dust because I had to spend all this time attending to my older daughter. My husband feels like he's not getting what he needs because we're in the pandemic and he's like missing his friend. Like, and as especially as women, I think we we sometimes take too much ownership or so much ownership over like how's everybody else doing. But then we forget about our own needs or we feel like, well, there's just absolutely no way I can attune to myself when the pandemic's over, I'll do that. When the crisis is over, I'll do that. When these people don't need me at this level. And so I think what I hear you saying about an organization like Clio and other resources like it is that it's trying to lessen the burden on that specific person having to have all the answers and spinning in their head over and over and instead saying, Here's what you can access to help you. I would love to hear from you even more for people who aren't familiar with Clio, like a little bit of an in-depth discussion around what you all actually provide, how it works for employers or for employees. Yes, perfect. So, you know, in essence, when you join Clio, right, we're really trying to understand, well, where are you? Are you like early stage trying to have a family? Because Mm -hmm. even there, you could be, at different, you know, in different paths. Like you may be looking at adoption or surrogacy, or you might be just starting to think about, you know, I want to start a family. What are the things that I should be doing to optimize, you know, my chances of having a healthy baby mm-hmm. to, you know, similar in my case where, you know, you're, you're looking at different fertility treatment options and really trying to find, you know, what's the best option, you know, for you to you're pregnant or, you know, and now we want to make sure that you have a healthy pregnancy and we identify early on if there are warning signs where you may need to get, you know, specialized help or monitor you through your postpartum period, make sure that you're not showing signs of depression, help you with your newborn. I mean, it's every single stage. If you have, you know, sometimes we have families that where, you know, a woman's pregnant, she's got a toddler at home and, you know, again, trying to manage, you know, all the needs of the family. She might be worried about potty training or setting Mm -hmm. a sleep schedule. So it could be some of those day-to-day needs of, you know, how do I make sure my child's eating a healthy diet where we can provide you that support? But sometimes it can be, you know, needs around, you know, I have a child with autism or ADHD or a learning disability. 
all the way through, I'm taking care of a spouse that, you know, just got diagnosed with cancer, or I'm taking care of a parent with Alzheimer's disease, or I want to plan for myself around, you know, my long-term care, because I know I'm going to be retiring soon. And so really dependent on where you are, what we'll do is we'll curate the content and resources specific to your needs. So if you have, you know, a toddler at home, we'll serve up what to expect, you know, by different age groups and common areas of support might be more around like positive parenting tips Mm -hmm. versus you're taking care of someone like your parent, you know, then let's talk to you about what are those essential legal documents to have in place? How do you make sure your parent is aging safely in the home? They're not at risk for falls. And then if there's a specific condition that they're dealing with, then we might provide you even more targeted education around that condition. But for all our families, in addition to that digital support that's tailored to your caregiving situation, where we are connecting you with a dedicated guide. And that guide's expertise is also dependent upon where you are, right? So if you're coming in pregnant, then your guide might be a doula or a midwife who has obviously expertise in, you know, in pregnancy and and early childhood versus you're coming in with a teenager, then you might be, your guide might be an educator or a, you know, child psychologist versus you're taking care of an elder loved one, then your guide is probably going to be a master level social worker or a licensed clinical social worker. And that person is there for you, help you navigate, help you find the right resources like our, our job is to make sure that we take things off your plate because mm-hmm. as, as a parent, as a caregiver, like you said, like you feel like you're doing it all, right? You're trying to find the right childcare solution. You're right, trying to figure out how to go find a home care provider for my parent. Or, you know, my mom can't get to the doctor's appointment. You know, how do I find the right transportation option? So we will do all of that navigational research on behalf of the family member and at the same time, we're also checking on, in on the caregiver. We're, we're assessing like, we're, you know, we're screening them for anxiety, depression. We're looking at, you know, are they isolated? Do they have a social network? If not, we, ha- we have Clio communities with like caregivers or parents or new moms that are going through similar journeys. How do we connect you with others so that you can share best practices, you don't feel alone, and so the goal is, no, you know, how do we support families to what they need and also make sure that these families are not burning out? And can an individual employee sign up for Clio or is it the employer that needs to purchase it for all of the employees? So right now it is either the employer or a health plan mm-hmm. that can purchase Clio as a benefit across all employees or all members as a free service. And so that's today how it's set up. Yep. So if you are an employer, listen up, okay? This would be amazing for your employees. And if you're an employee and you are on a leadership team and you have the opportunity to say, hey, we got to think about our caregivers, this is an opportunity for you to be really plugging for that as well. I have been so excited to learn more about Cleo, more so excited to learn about you and your story. 
Tell us where people who are interested can find out more about you and more about Cleo. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely Cleo. You can go to highcleo.com to learn more about Cleo. You can follow us on you know Facebook and Instagram as well as LinkedIn. More about myself, Madhavi Vemoretti. I'm on LinkedIn as well. And obviously you can reach me through Cleo too. Awesome. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Hey mama, if you want more of the Modern Mommy Doc podcast, make sure that you click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd also be so honored if you shared with your friends and on social media with the hashtag Modern Mommy Doc. If you share about something that inspired you or that you learned from the podcast, we'll be sure to share it on our social media as well. Thanks for listening.